1: Well, guys, welcome back to the Equipping and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have my friend Owen. Owen, welcome back to the Equipping and Grace podcast, brother.
0: Thank you so much, Dave. Thanks for having me back.
1: Yeah, man. Can you uh, catch us up on what's going on in your life, marriage, ministry, and what ministry projects you're working on?
0: Yeah, um, I am moving seminaries. I'm not actually taking one with me and putting in the U-Haul, but I am myself and my family going to Conway, Arkansas, where I'm becoming provost have become provost and research professor of theology at Grace Bible Theological Seminary. It's a school led by President Jeffrey Johnson. Uh, it's, it's run out of Grace Bible Church in Conway, Arkansas. It's a great work. Um, people are moving to Grace Bible Church from all over, not just America, but the world. Um, and it's because Jeff has established a ministry of sound doctrine there. He did a documentary called The Church. Uh, just a few years ago that has Lawson and Bauckham and Washer and many other figures like that. And that's a major way of how people have gotten to hear about his ministry. He's also started a press, Free Grace Press, a publishing house. Suffice it to say, without getting into the details here, that Conway is this small college town in Arkansas, right near Little Rock, central Arkansas. And so it's not uh, thought of like New York or LA would be or something like this, but it's rapidly becoming a reformed destination, dare I say, a tiny little Geneva. Uh, and so uh, there are actual people who are who are leaving um, places where Christians are being persecuted, like Canada, and are going to Conway, Arkansas to be in a strong gospel preaching word uh, proclaiming God exalting local church. That's happening at Grace Bible Church in Conway, and it's happening at the seminary, Grace Bible Theological Seminary. Um, I've just become the provost, and we're, we're having more inquiries right now into the school uh, than we can handle. So none of this is from us. None of this is assured us. We have to stay humble and stay faithful. Uh, and if we don't, we can be assured uh, that God will lift his hand. Um, so we want to take that very seriously, but I am thrilled to be going to Arkansas and uh, taking up this new work.
1: Well, congratulations, brother. I'm very excited to hear that and all of the excited to see what the how the lord will use you for sure so
0: thank you and by the way right over my shoulder that's jeff's book what every christian needs to know about social justice and i commend that to all your many viewers and listeners it's an excellent book in particular it goes into the roots the marxist roots of social justice and so if you want the receipts in a short accessible book uh, as to how marxism has affected and driven wokeness and critical race theory jeff that's jeff johnson's book and it's it's excellent awesome we look forward to having jeff on lord willing here
1: soon so Uh yeah can you well brother can you tell us about your new book that's coming out here it'll come out when this releases uh christianity and wokeness how the social justice movement is hijacking the gospel and the way to stop it why you wrote it and how you hope it'll be yours
0: yeah thanks for the question and the opportunity to discuss it i saw a pastor named Jason Redberg in Ireland in early March, 2020. I've known Jason for some years. He has an excellent ministry in Minnetonka, Minnesota, just outside of Minneapolis at Redeemer Bible Church, um, where R.W. Glenn used to be. And Jason has a, has a, a strong ministry. And we bumped into each other at this meeting of the Irish Baptists on the coast of Ireland. Okay, I hadn't seen Jason in a few years. Jason says to me, I think you should come to uh the Minneapolis area and do some lectures on critical race theory. He said that because I had written a few blogs on my pathos blog called Thought Life uh in January 2020, uh I wrote four blogs about 8000 words total across all four blogs to try to help people think through what critical race theory was. So Jason says 2 months later after the blogs drop come out and speak to my church. Well, we uh we, we tentatively penciled that in, but then George Floyd died and then riots broke out in June, 2020. And so I thought to myself, well, that's in Minneapolis. So probably, you know, for different reasons, Jason's not gonna wanna do the event. Um, so we'll just let that one sail. No, Jason says, no, I think we need the event more than ever because this ideology is taking people captive in the church and outside the church and we need a witness against it. Um, and so, uh, I end up going and doing these um, six talks in October, 2020, last fall on Christianity and wokeness. As I do the talks, I think to myself as I'm writing them and preparing for them um, for weeks and weeks, months, I'm thinking this could easily be an accessible book. I I can write the talks for the lectures. Hopefully that will help the church in some small way. They'll get out there on YouTube as they have. If you Google Christianity and Wokeness, you can find the six talks easily. Um, They've gotten a fair bit of play, but uh, I should write a book as well. So that's where the book comes. Uh, I send the book out through my agent to a number of publishing houses and get some interest, but almost no offers. And uh, then I get in touch with Salem Books and the publisher named Timothy Peterson. Salem is a young publisher. They're out of Regnery. So, Regnery's conservative publisher does mostly political books in the past. Um, and I'm like, uh, you know, Salem's not going to have interest. Salem is one of the only publishers, they, they take it the most seriously of anybody. Turns out, Salem is publishing this book by Vodi Bakum. This is what I'm hearing in, in last fall, fall 2020. I don't know what Vodi's doing. I've been in contact with Vodi and some others, but I don't know exactly the nature of his project. Well, it turns out Vody's writing this book with Salem. And Uh, Vody like me, had not had a lot of response to his proposal, even though people are desperate for resources on critical race theory, intersectionality, and what I call wokeness. Uh, There's almost nothing on the market. Uh, The book, Cynical Theories is a secular book by two unbelievers, but it critiques CRT and related ideologies in no uncertain terms. And it became a bestseller immediately, showing you that there's a very strong interest in the market for these kinds of books. There've been a few books in Christian circles, um, uh, one by Founders uh, Ministries, a very good book called By What Standard, uh, and a few others that that had gotten out there, but not anything really in the mainstream in terms of publishing houses. So Long answer, but Vodi's book is coming out with Salem in spring 2021. And now it turns out my book is, through no coordination, no planning, no processes, he just feels convicted to write a book before me. um, And I feel convicted to write a book. And God has us, Dave, on the same publishing house, Salem, and Salem not only is willing to hit print on the book, Salem is behind the book, his and Mm -hmm. mine. Salem is all in. Salem wants to take a stand on these issues because Salem sees what wokeness is doing to destroy really America. And then, from Vody and my vantage point, our foremost target is on the church and how wokeness is infiltrating the church and poisoning the well, literally taking poison in ideological terms and just dripping it into a pure, fresh mountain stream that the church drinks from downstream. So, all this to say, that's how the book that's how the book comes about. It uh, it is now releasing as of the the date of this podcast release, and um, it's been a journey to get the book here. <laughs> it's been alternately discouraging, greatly discouraging, um, and then extremely encouraging, and it's gotten it's gotten strong response preliminarily. So I praise God for that.
1: Amen. Well, brother, I know that you're passionate about, you know, speaking out about gender and sexuality. And I I really so appreciate that about you. Um, you have a very strong voice. You know, I'm just wondering like why go all in on 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 this issue, you know, critical race theory, intersectionality, and all that. I've I've just noticed that and uh just just was curious.
0: No, that's a good question. I honestly, several years ago, I wasn't really working on this issue in any deep way because the lord from 2012 to 16 called me to lead the council on biblical manhood and womanhood as an organization so my focus was so much on issues of manhood womanhood the family uh, transgenderism homosexuality uh, women preaching um and and related issues so i had so much trained in that area and and frankly had had more i could uh, more than I could handle on on those counts. But what I came to see in writing my book, Reenchanting Humanity, uh, in which published in 2019 with Christian Focus, was that wait a minute, there is something bigger here. This isn't just about uh, chipping away at manhood and womanhood through feminism, egalitarianism in Christian circles. There's a broader work here at play that I had not seen frankly, and not understood previously. In, you know, 2013, 14, 15, 16, I was where a lot of people, even 17 to some degree, I was where a lot of people were and even are to this minute and reformed in reformed and evangelical circles. You had the the shooting of Mike Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, my, the state I'm, I've been in for the last six years, for example. And, and these are tragedies, by the way, George Floyd's death, Mike Brown's shooting. These are human tragedies that we all grieve. We don't want any image bearer uh, to die unnecessarily. And yet I realized that there was a politicized narrative taking place regarding what happened in Ferguson. So a lot of us were seeing these things um, in bits and pieces, but I did not see it whole, Dave. I did not see it whole. I did not understand the ideology that was behind different movements in the culture and society. And I especially did not understand, even as late as 2017, 2018, that this was going to be the movement that would most target uh, the american public order societally and then the church in years to come and so it took some time to get up to speed on all that in part for me because i was so deep in other areas and trying to take a stand for christ on those other areas powered by god's grace but now i'm so thankful for leaders like josh bice and john MacArthur and tom buck and michael fallon uh, tom askell and others who, who wrote and promoted the Dallas Statement back in summer 2018. That was the initial first stand against this evil poisonous ideology. Uh, and then Founders Ministries has done different things and other voices have, have, have done different things. Vody Bauckham was speaking out about this ideology in that same period and has two epic talks on, on YouTube, Ethnic Gnosticism and Cultural Marxism. With founders. So there was a witness. I was starting to pay attention to it. I was starting to move some of my guns over to this area. But um, like a lot of us, Dave, it has taken some time to get fully up to speed, which is part of why I have real compassion for people. As I say in Christianity and Wokeness, this book that's just dropping, I have compassion for people who are confused. I understand that people haven't read in critical legal studies I understand that people don't know what intersectionality is. I understand that people, when they hear anti-racism as a term in the church or outside of it, think, yeah, I'm against racism. That must be a good thing. So my book is intended to walk people through this ideology and get them up to speed so that they'll understand the difference, the absolute ethical antithesis, to use a Vantillian phrase, between true biblical Christianity and wokeness. Yeah. That's a good answer, brother. Why is
1: it pro- problematic that some churches have accepted uh, critical race theory? Is it biblical to view CRT simply as an analytical tools uh, we can better use to
0: understand the world? Why or why not? No, critical race theory is not a, a positive analytical tool in any sense. Critical race theory is a tool, but is, it is a tool not in the Redeemer's hands. It is a tool in the enemy's hands. It is a tool of division let me, let me zoom out for just a quick second. I'll do this fast. Wokeness, I think is even broader, a broader category than CRT. Wokeness is basically the idea that you need to wake up to the true nature of the American public order. And you need to see that it is shot through with racism, such that we live in a systemically racist country that is, um, Really uh, ruled over by the ideology of whiteness, um, which white people and all who don't challenge whiteness foster and push and promote such that our country and the church would be included in this is so evil that it is not only led by whiteness, but we are truly in a white supremacist order. When you go woke, you wake up to the, the the true nature of the American public order, and you wake up secondly to the need then to fight this racist order and to foster true justice, social justice, according to woke advocates, in the public square and in the church, which means basically dismantling this white supremacist order. Social justice is basically the opposition uh, to everything that actual biblical justice is. And it basically boils down to anywhere you see an inequality, which is revealed by a statistical disparity between racial groups, you then see something that is fostering and showing uh, injustice. And so you need to target that injustice by, for example, if there are more, I don't know, white pastors in a community so-called, then you need more black pastors to balance that out in a perfect kind of equilibrium. Much more we can say, but that's wokeness as a mood, as a, as a mentality. And critical race theory is the hard and fast body of ideology that promotes basically what I just sketched out. So wokeness is the broad term I use to describe this ideology, and CRT is the specific academic theory that has pushed it and advanced it, in particular in the American Academy. It's important, though, to have both terms in view and recognize that a ton of people who are woke are never going to have had a class in critical legal studies. This all picks up originally in legal movements. Um, They're not going to necessarily know Ibram X. Kendi's name, or Richard Delgado's name, or Kimberly Crenshaw's name, the lead guru of intersectionality. But they are going to talk in many cases about racial justice, racial equity, white privilege, white supremacy, uh, racial oppression in America, systemic racism, and in very many cases, basically all cases, when those terms are used and those those, uh, leaders are referenced, or or just their ideas are out there, you're hearing wokeness talking. yeah, that's that's really helpful.
1: what are What are the signs of a woke church? How can know how can believers know if they're attending a a woke church and how can they bring this up to the church leadership?
0: That's a great question too. You're in a woke church if you hear those kind of concepts bandied about. Uh, if you are told in some form that your whiteness is a problem that needs to be overcome, Uh, If you hear that you have white privilege or we're in a white supremacist order or um, people of color are oppressed, uh, not by actual decisions of oppression, but just by virtue of being around, for example, a lot of white people, that kind of language is woke. That kind of language is synchronous with critical race theory. Um, And then if you hear um, that the action items are for people in authority, people in power, white, heteronormative, patriarchal, capitalist power brokers, those people need to be deposed. They need to step down. You're hearing intersectionality talking. Intersectionality works hand in glove with the mood of wokeness, the specific theory of CRT, and then the action items are really found in what is called intersectionality. And this is where, to go back to the earlier question, a lot of us picked up on the radar some of the early signals of intersectionality. For example, uh, when we have been told in years past that gay Christians are sexual minorities who have been wronged or oppressed in the church by virtue of not being the majority group, that isn't that is a classically intersectional commitment and principle. When single people in some cases on social media fire at christian leaders because those christian leaders will promote marriage and and single people in different cases not all single people of course but interpret that in a negative light as effectively oppressing or marginalizing single people a lot of folks who get a snarky comment against a pro marriage sermon wouldn't know why they're getting it what what on earth I'm not against single people i believe christian singleness is is taught in 1st corinthians 7 as a of viable and valid means of living unto the Lord. In fact, you can be set apart to the Lord uh, in a more logistically simple way. Um, so I have I have different categories. I recognize, of course, that that the natural family is not done away with in the new covenant community. It's not outmoded, it's not replaced by the church. In fact, elder leadership is dependent upon, uh, at least on the face of it, First Timothy three, managing your household well. But why wait, why are you saying I'm oppressing you? Or, or why, are you, why are you interpreting my pro-marriage sermon or comments in a hostile way? I'm not against you. That was intersectionality. That's intersectionality. When you have a teacher um, publicly decrying capitalism, which is Marx's term. That's not a biblical term. The better term is the free market, which the Bible clearly teaches. Um, capitalists are evil and they're oppressing others. Well, we all know that capitalists and, and the people I've mentioned sin. So we're not thinking anybody has lily white gloves on their hands. And yet, wait, you just made $30,000 in an hour to tell me that capitalism is evil? Wait, in that capitalists are oppressing people by virtue of making money and having more money, some having more money than others? Um, all of this is a utopian vision, Dave, in which we can solve the world's problems by these ideologies. It's utopian. There's a a secular utopian form and there's a christian utopian form and both of them are bankrupt and so um, this is some of how we see these ideologies advancing and uh and when you're hearing the kind of commitments i was talking about when you're seeing male pastoral leadership maligned we need to raise up women's voices we've got too many of these men speaking and complementarianism keeps women down And uh, okay, sure, sure, sure. Maybe men are supposed to be the elders of the church. But what we really need to do is elevate and platform women's voices, because complementarity is not a prison cell. It's this verdant field where everybody can serve in there. And you guys are being defensive and you're telling us what women can't do when you're getting that kind of push, which is everywhere today. Mm. You're getting you're getting really an intersectional push, whether people know it or not. So this is seeping into the church in tons of ways. Uh, many people do not understand that. Few people are at the wall to fight against, not flesh and blood, but these evil systems. And I pray that Christianity and Wokeness, my book, can can be part of ringing the bell.
1: But what, you're, what you're saying, and this is where I came out and just realized it clicked in my brain. And, and sometimes I was telling our friend Grant, sometimes it takes a little bit longer for me because I'm slow and I... I'm not slow like as I'm unintelligent, but I, I'm slow in that I, I got to think through something. I got to see how it plays out and practice, and then I'm like, nope, that's not right. Yes. And and the more I more I see that, what you're saying is is so true because what I saw is that it's separating people from one another rather than bringing what the gospel does is it brings harmony and peace and uh, joy and all those things in the in the body of Christ, and it's instead tearing people apart and. These people are saying. Um, for one prominent evangelical leader placed uh, sociology above the of above the Bible and other things like that. And I just started thinking, Nope. That when I start seeing things like that, I'm like, Nope. I know that's that's a that's not right. You know, then we yeah. Have major
0: problems. Yes, that's right. Excuse me. You've got a book like Divided by Faith, which purports to solve racial division, but actually is creating. Racial division. Sadly, that's been recommended by Mark Dever and used by David Platt and many others just hugely commended in the evangelical movement, the reformed movement, which several years ago seemed so strong and biblical. And yet divided by faith, just as one small example, is a little sociology book. It's barely 170 pages and it doesn't mount any major case uh, for a biblical treatment of race. Um, which we very much need, even if we don't agree with people on all sides, we respect a case that generally, genuinely, excuse me, goes deep in the biblical text divided by faith doesn't even try. I don't even think there's a Bible verse really cited. It just assumes that there's a structuralist vision of Christianity oriented toward politics and the public good. So we should be against uh, Michael Emerson and Christian Smith essentially argue Uh, radical individualism that the Christian church too often promotes. And instead we should believe in a structuralist Christianity that will solve our problems. All of this being driven by this view that America is a racialized society, because you can look at statistical disparities between different racial groups that show that there's inequality and that that cause uh, of those disparities is racism. Okay. This is a book, for example, that is in our movement, It's being widely recommended. It's on lots of reading lists and yet it's not a sound book. And Dave, there's a lot of little foxes that slipped in underneath the fence in the last five to eight years, way more than we thought there were. This problem is way worse than we thought it was. Um, I don't enjoy always being the guy who is ringing that bell and saying words like this, but it's, it's true. The good news though is this, we're not left in peril or fear Uh, though we take these things very seriously and must go to war against them. Um, We must destroy strongholds, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and wokeness is definitely a stronghold. And yet, as you mentioned a minute ago, the blood of Jesus Christ is actually what the world is looking for. It doesn't know it, and it would reject it if it was presented to it in natural terms. But the blood of Jesus Christ has made one new man in covenantal terms of Jew and Gentile. And if it's sufficient to make one new man of Jew and Gentile, The blood of christ is sufficient to unite us we're not trying to 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 achieve racial reconciliation racial reconciliation has been achieved through the death of the son of god and made active and vital through the resurrection of the son of god so that's where we need to go not wokeness just to touch
1: on what you said when when i think it was 2015 or 16 this whole idea of race and reconciliation Came about or whatever. I mean, I'm sure it was around before or whatever. But I started noticing it in books or whatever because mm-hmm. I read a lot and I pay attention i think I was never really comfortable with that for just the reason that you said. And I I perked up and I'm like, what is this? What? Why are we? Why are we even talking about this? And I'm not not saying like you were saying that you know that we don't care about people groups and uh, want unity in the body of Christ, but we want it grounded in Scripture. Not yes. apart from scripture. So um I guess this kind of takes us to the next question. How do how do we tell other believers and churches the dangers of CRT and wokeness and love? How how can we approach church leaders and pastors to bring our concerns out into the light?
0: Yeah, um, I would encourage members who are uh becoming aware of what we're talking about and the danger of this ideology to engage their leaders if their leaders are promoting. Woke ideas, woke books, uh, woke voices in a gracious way. Uh, My charge in the book Christianity and Wokeness and my charge in my broader ministry, such as it is, is not to go and burn down uh, your elders in a conversation and just tell them off and walk out, you know because cool guys don't look at explosions. that's not that's not what I'm after here. instead, I think you should go respectfully to your elders, your pastors and engage them on these issues. try to have a genuine conversation about these things um, and then um, if they do not respond in time, um, you know give it a little time, if they do not respond in time in repentance, our category, by the way, is not just changing your mind or saying one thing and then stopping that and saying a different thing. If if we promote unsound ideas in Christian ministry as pastors and teachers, we repent of that. We repent of that. And there's a lot of repentance that is needed right now in reformed evangelicalism that is not coming currently. Um, if they do not repent of that, then go find a new church, full stop, And and find it with the wind at your back. Find a church that is not woke. Find a church that stands upon the word of God. Find a church that stands for the full inspiration, uh, inerrancy, authority, and sufficiency, especially sufficiency. That's what's most challenged today of scripture and ground your family there. Take your spouse there. Talk to your friends, bring them there as you can, your roommates, whatever it may be. Get out of that woke church. If there's not going to be repentance and there's not going to be standing upon the truth, then man, don't let dust collect on your boots. It's time to go. Life is too short to sit under unsound doctrine. Get yourself under sound doctrine and uh, and be fed by the word of God. Not because you hate people who disagree with you. You're doing all of this in love. We're speaking all of these things in love. I wrote this book, Christianity and Wokeness, in love. I'm not perfectly loving. I fail in many ways, as we all do, James 3, 2. And yet, that's the motivation of my heart, not to just lock horns with people who disagree with me, but because we need to love God by loving his truth. And then we need to love man by um strengthening the body. And so uh we are doing all this in love, and you need to join a strong local church uh, or strengthen an existing strong local church in love.
1: Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. And we're Second Timothy two twenty twenty four through twenty six. We're supposed to correct in love, not yes. to browbeat, but correcting our opponents so that they might, you know, be able to see and and those things. So great word. Amen, well, brother. I know uh, you have a lot going on today. What, where can people go to find you
0: out and on social media or otherwise? Um, they can go to my Twitter page. I do a lot through that at O S T R A C H A N at O-S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N. I have a podcast that has been called uh, City of God that has come out in recent weeks, as you'll have seen. And it's now called The Antithesis. And they can find The Antithesis on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other places. Uh, It's a part of the Bar Network, which is uh, associated with just thinking. So um, some folks out there will have heard this um we'd be breaking this news if this podcast was released in June but now it's now it's uh, closer in July and so um they can listen to that podcast called the antithesis um my books are on amazon christianity and wokeness is out there's more to say but um yeah but we can leave it there for now
1: just just as we wrap up do you want to give our listeners a few a few takeaways brother
0: yeah um i would say two things don't be taken captive colossians 2, eight, by any ideology uh, I don't see enough attention to that verse. And that's a huge uh, point that Paul makes there. Uh, it's a major burden of Christian preaching and teaching that our people would not be taken captive by Satan's schemes and Satan's ideologies. Uh, and then secondly, that we would Second Corinthians 10, 3 to 6, take every thought captive to Christ. And so I would just say, when you are learning systems, reading books, getting up to speed on ideologies, you're... Doing the Lord's work, and then when you are refuting those and understanding how they they are not scriptural, uh, and then and then you're you're thinking, okay, this is a worldly understanding of race. Race is not a biblical category. We're we're one human race. There's many ethnicities in Scripture, people groups, but wait a minute, this isn't a right presentation of race. Um, I need a biblical understanding of anthropology. Um, you are taking every thought captive. You're not letting your thoughts be taken captive. Per an ideology, uh, a, a, an evil system, you're thinking in captivity, glad, happy, joyful captivity to Christ and the Word of God. So that's a burden I would leave uh, your listeners with, uh, those watching this with, um, to not be taken captive, but to take every thought captive by the thank by the power of of the gospel.
1: Amen, brother. Well, thank you so much for your time, Owen, and and for your friendship, guys. Uh, the Owen's new book is Christianity and Wokeness, How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel in a Way to Stop It. I would encourage you to go and pick it up and go get it for a friend and maybe buy a caseload. Um, Owen, thank you so much for your time today and hope you have a blessed day.
0: Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it.